Hello everyone, my name is Jessica and I'm the host and owner of the Fit With Faith podcast, where we talk about real stories, real struggles, and real life. And just so you know, God is always a part of the conversation. I'm glad you're here. Now let's dive in. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to the Fit With Faith podcast. My name is Jessica. I'm your host and CEO of this podcast and I hope you are ready to talk about spiritual warfare. Now, last episode, I did say we were starting a new series um, called About the Enemy's Lies. However, I thought it was really important that I first dived into spiritual warfare and why the enemy really inherently does lie to us. So I want to start off by reading you Ephesians 6 verse 12. And this is the um, New Living Translation or the NLT version of the Bible. So in chapter 6 verse 12, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Now, throughout the Bible, we are warned time and time again about spiritual warfare. We are warned that we are going to be attacked. We are warned about all of these things. Now, something that I want you to understand is the enemy works in multiple ways. And the ways that I have kind of broken that down is basically he his whole M.O. is to peer pressure us, to peer pressure us into getting away from God, moving away from God, doing the things we're not supposed to do, so on and so forth. Peer pressure, as we know on the human realm, is something that is very, very common. Whether your friends are trying to get you to drink, whether they're trying to get you to smoke, do drugs, peer pressure comes in all shapes and sizes. It can come through people, it can come through movies, it can come through music. It doesn't just come through a singular action, a singular way of doing things. Now, the reason that I really picked that verse is to start off with is because you have to understand that do we have enemies through humans? Yes, but we can see people. We can't see the devil. We can't see anything that he's doing on a spiritual sense. Now, something else that I I can probably explain better in another episode, but that's not the whole point of this episode, is the fact that spirits need hosts. Demons need hosts. So in order for us to basically reap the wrath of these demons and of the spirits, they have to work through people. But you also have to remember that God works through people because God is spiritual. So in order for God to in a way, talk to us and work with us. He has to work through people. He gives us signs. And sometimes we don't always see those signs. Sometimes we don't listen to the people that he's sending us. But case in point, God and the enemy both work in a spiritual sense. And it's our job to kind of decipher which one we're going to listen to. That's why we have free will. Now, what I want to break down for you as far as spiritual warfare goes and the peer pressure is that there's multiple steps that I feel that he takes in order to peer pressure us and to pull us away from God. And it's funny because uh, Pastor Stephen actually talked about this the other day in church. And whereas I call it tricks, he called it traps. And there was just so many similarities in what he said the other day that I was literally sitting there in church with like my mouth wide open. And I was like, you, you did not, you just said the things that I've been saying because I went, a whole week on TikTok literally talking about this. Like every day I broke it down even more and more. It's like the first day was spiritual warfare. Second day was step one, 
second day was step two. Like, I just kept going with it. And then I get to church on Sunday and I was like, okay, fine. Just take my whole week of worth of TikTok lives talking to people about the enemy and put it into one sermon. By all means, do it. And did he say it in a different sense of what I said? Yes, but there was so many similarities that I just was like, okay, I have to talk about this on the podcast. Like, I, I have to talk about it before I go into the enemy's lies. So, step one that I feel like the enemy does is he tricks us. So his whole, like we said, his whole game plan is to pull us away from God. To make us feel like we're less than. To make us feel like we're not enough. To make us feel like we can't be saved. That we're not forgiven. That we're not loved. All of these things and all of these lies that he tells us that we're going to break down in further episodes. He has to do it through a series of actions and a series of deception. And I think the first one is he tricks us because he makes us forget where we come from. And where do we come from? We come from God. He makes us inherently forget that God created us, God designed us, and it is through God that we get our identity. And he tricks us by using our life, by using pain, by using failures, mistakes, the people around us. Whatever it is, there is always some sort of trick. And then following up with that is the confusion of whether is it right? Is it wrong? Um, should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? Because when you get confused, you can be easily intimidated, which is what he does next. He intimidates you with the people around you, with your friends, with thinking that, oh, everyone else is doing it, so it must be normal. Or you give in to your friends because they're your friends, right? They, they should have your best interest at heart. Well, what if they don't? And there comes in the sense of weakness. For example, like not wanting to be alone. That's a weakness. Not being able to say no to your friends because they're your friends. That's a weakness. And that comes through the intimidation. And then the last thing that I talked about on live was how to really inherently stick to your truth. Because if you recognize the trick, if you recognize the confusion, the intimidation, and the weaknesses and you give God your weaknesses, then what does the enemy have to do? What can he do? He can't do anything. Because one thing that's really important to remember is that the enemy only has the power that you give him. He cannot do something to you without you allowing him to do it to you. So I want to try to come up with an example real quick on the fly because guess what? This is uncut and totally unfiltered and... I, like I said, I don't know how to edit these that well, so we're not going to do that. So let's think of an example as to what the enemy could pull on you in today's society. I think I have another note here, so let's look at my other notes. Do I have a note? No, I don't. I just have Bible verses that I can use. So, oh, here, oh, 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 perfect example. Well, maybe. We'll see how far this goes. I might have to rewind. But let's start with... The first trick that the enemy ever pulled is by tricking Eve to eat the fruit from the tree. Ooh, here we go. Now my brain's coming back to me. Okay, so we are lucky enough to have the Bible, to have preachers, to have religion, to have a way to study the Word of God. We are lucky enough to have examples through the Word of God about how to defeat the enemy, what the enemy tries to pull on us, and all of these things. Well, let's flash back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. 
The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? And if you know the Bible, Eve said that she could eat any of the fruit, but just not from this one tree. So then what did the serpent follow up with? Well, why not that tree? Why not that one? And she said, because what God said was just don't do it, basically. I'm, I'm very much simplifying things, but God basically just told her and added, hey, you can eat whatever you want, just don't eat from that tree. Why God? Just don't do it. Trust me, don't do it. And then in order for the enemy to get into her head, first he had to trick her into saying like, oh, did he really say you can't eat from any of the trees? And she said, no, just that one. And then he confused her by furthering, why not that one? And then he intimidated her by saying, I'm again, very much simplifying this, saying something along the lines of, well, he must not want you to know something. He must be hiding something from you. And there's the intimidation. Well, what, does, what, what, what do I not know? What am I not supposed to know? I, I don't understand. And what is her weakness? The fact that she didn't know. So was she able to kind of like stand her ground and say, no, he told me I can't eat from that tree because it'll give me the knowledge of good and evil and it'll ruin my life and da 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 and it'll doom all society to be living with sin. No, she didn't know that. All she knew was that I can't eat from this one tree, but I also want you to take into consideration the fact that God never told her and Adam, hey, by the way, I need you to watch out for this serpent that's come, that's like shrooting around the world and around the earth right now. And, you know, he's going to come and try to trick you into not listening to me. Don't, yeah, don't listen to him. He's a bad dude. No, they didn't have that warning. So was Eve tricked into eating the fruit? Absolutely. Did she trick Adam into eating the fruit? Absolutely, because she didn't know any different. Yes, you can argue the fact that God told her not to, but just like all of us, she was human. She was susceptible to being tricked, just like we are. However, we are lucky enough to have the Bible, to have warnings, to have God have given us examples in the Bible of how to deflect this spiritual warfare, how to fight the spiritual warfare, the temptation, and to be able to identify the enemy's tricks. Eve didn't have that luxury. So let's see if I can find this verse real quick. In 2 Chronicles 32, verse 10, if I can find it really quick. If not, we might have to just listen to Jessica ramble on while she tries to find this verse. But... As I try to find this verse real quick, I want you to also realize that the confusion that the enemy does that is so inherently manipulative and works is the fact that he never tells us directly, hey, go do this. His tactic is to literally just make us do it ourselves. He wants us to doubt who we are, doubt our way of thinking, doubt what we think is the truth, doubt what we know is the truth. And ultimately, when we doubt our truth, when we doubt who we are, who God made us to be, that's how he takes over. Is because we're going to act not on the fact of the fact that we don't know. We're going to act on the I don't knows. So the confusion is when you do act on the I don't know. So in Second Chronicles, I want to read verses. If I can find this really quick. 
I said 32, and I know it's not 32. Where did I put this verse? <laughs> uh, I hope uh, you guys are laughing at me as you listen to me try to find this. Um, well, 10 through 15. Um, well, did Jessica just fail? A little bit, a little bit, because I wrote down the wrong number. But you get the point. I think it was First Chronicles. I don't know. For the love of Pete, I'm sorry. I was in such a groove and then I messed myself up. But case in point, you understand that it was just it was just evidence to prove that he makes you question yourself, which I, I did provide that. So that is what you need to remember is that he, the enemy cannot make you do anything. What happens is he tricks us into being so confused that we act on our I don't know. And through that I don't know, that's oftentimes how we fall away from God because Eve didn't know why she wasn't supposed to eat the fruit. She also didn't know that the enemy was going to attack her. So the next step that he does, like I said, is the intimidation factor. And in the intimidation part of things, the enemy will try to belittle you, try to bring you down. And to do so, he uses sometimes people around you. He uses sometimes the most obvious of things as to get you to be intimidated. So, like, say, for example, you're out with your friends, but you want to stop drinking. You've kind of made this commitment to yourself to stop drinking, yet all your friends are drinking around you. And because you don't want to be left out, or maybe you are feeling left out, and because you're already feeling inherently left out, and one of them says, hey, man, like, why don't you just get a drink? Like, it's not a big deal. It's just one. No, man, I'm really trying not to drink. Da, da, da. Dude, seriously, like, you're going to be the only one not drinking. And then you drink. So what did, what was that? That was literally intimidation. That's all that was. Was your friend intimidating you? And that's, again, a form of peer pressure, which is what the enemy does. That's how he gets us to act out. That's how he gets us to fall away from God is through his peer pressure. And for that one, I did write down the correct verse number. Hmm. So Joshua 17, verse 16. The descendants of Joseph responded, It's true that the hill country is not large enough for us, but all the Canaanites in the lowlands have iron chariots, both those in Bethshan, Bethshan and its surrounding settlements. For those in the valley of Jezreel, they are too strong for us. So if you recall this story, this is when they were deciding whether or not to go into the promised land and Joseph Joshua sent two people, two soldiers to go check it out and then they came back saying that. When they really didn't know inherently the truth, this was just their observation. They were intimidated by how strong they thought the enemy was that they were trying to face and that they didn't have enough soldiers they didn't have enough people but really what those soldiers didn't know and what they doubted was how strong God was because if God says you can do something you can do it the enemy is going to try to come and convince you that you can't but if God says it God will do it just like in the new elevation song if he told the stone to roll away and it did he will again if he told the bones come alive and he did, it will again. 
And you, you get it. If he told the seed apart and it did, he will again. So if God says it, if God spoke it over you, if God promised you something, if God gives you the ability to do something, you can do it. Will you be scared? Possibly. But if you rely on the strength that God gave you and the promise of God and the fact that he spoke it over you, just like we're all here for a purpose. Yeah, that's your truth. You are here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. And you should never let anyone ever convince you that you're not. You should never let anyone make you doubt whether or not you have a purpose, whether or not you're supposed to be here. Because if you weren't supposed to be here, you wouldn't be here. But you are here. So you do have a purpose. And despite what everyone wants to say, and despite all the things that you say, you even say to yourself that you're not good enough, that you're not this, you're not that. God says you're more than enough. So that is why I want to dismantle the enemy's lies is because there are so many promises in the Bible telling you about your truth, about your value. But by golly, for some reason, we just doubt ourselves all the time. And it's because the enemy is so prevalent on this earth and he makes us doubt ourselves and he uses so many different tactics to do it. And you know what's funny? I mean say this before I speak about my weaknesses factor. You know, when we were kids, and I did say this on TikTok, when we were kids, we were in dare class. What was the whole point of dare class? Is to help you avoid peer pressure from drugs. So I said on TikTok, and I'm actually going to look this up real quick. I have my phone next to me because I don't want to misspoke, misspeak. So I said... That the new form of dare as an adult, hold on, let me let my captions load real quick. That dare in today's society stands for, as I watch my video, let's see what I said so I can get it correctly. I <laughs> said that we, yes, we went through dare class, continue, come on, Jessica. Drug ab- So DARE stands for Drug Abuse Resistance Education. So I want you to think about today, we have the Devil Abuse Resistance Education from the Bible. We were taught as kids to avoid peer pressure. As adults, every day we fall into peer pressure. And the biggest and baddest part of peer pressure is using our weaknesses against us. And the enemy does that. All the time. Oh, you're lonely? Mm, let me make you feel more alone. Oh, you're sad? Let me make you feel more sad. You, like I said, you don't act on your I don't knows. Don't act on your feelings. Because where you may think you're weak, God says in the Bible, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Yet the enemy is going to come and try to use every single possible way to have your, your weaknesses be used against you. And I'm sure you've had that happen in your real life where you've had a friend or someone else use something that you're insecure about as a way to bother you, as a way to get to you. And it sucks, does it not? But we oftentimes fall victim to it. Whether someone's making you feel even more insecure, even more anxious, even more sad, even more depressed. Because you haven't given God your weaknesses. And in Judges chapter 16, verse 5, This is an example of weaknesses. 
the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how can he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So if you remember that story, it was Samson's hair. And when she finally cut his hair, he lost his power. Now, that was his weakness. He had a physical weakness. A lot of us have internal weaknesses. And we do that and we form these because of what we think to ourselves, what we think about ourselves, what we say to ourselves. These weaknesses that we have, I was going to say grow, which we really do. We grow our own weaknesses, if I'm being totally honest, is due to the fact that we have other people making us doubt ourselves. That we don't remember our true value in Christ. So these weaknesses that we come up with and that we string along and we grow inside of ourselves in our own psyche, in our own mentality that, oh, I'm not smart enough. Oh, I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not good enough. We have a, again, we have our devil, abuse, resistance, education in the Bible. God tells us time and time again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will be with you wherever you go. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made in my image and likeness. You are loved. You are promised. You are saved. You have salvation. For Pete's sake, y'all, Jesus Christ came and died for us so that we could be saved. And there's so many people on this earth that still say to themselves, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Well, newsflash. You are so loved and quote-unquote good enough that Jesus came down, lived a life like we live with immense more hurt and pain. And he died for you and me and everyone else on this earth. Were we deserving of Jesus' sacrifice? Absolutely not. Jesus was nailed to a cross with a crown of thorns, stabbed in the sides. Stuff was thrown at him. Stuff was yelled at him. And he still said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And he still sacrificed himself for us. So stop telling yourself that you're not good enough, that you're not strong enough, that you're not pretty enough, you're not handsome enough. You don't have enough muscle. You're not young enough. You're not old enough. You're not smart enough. All of these things that you tell yourself do not come from God. They come from the enemy. And you are allowing him to control you based off of your own internal dialogue. Start speaking positivity over yourself. Because spiritual warfare is a 24 7 you know what 25 8 war it does not end but you can be on the upper hand of things if you start realizing what God spoke about you and you start really internally having faith in what God says about you why he created you and who you are made to be and you are made in God's image and likeness that is your truth along with the fact like my favorite verse, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Start looking at yourself in the mirror and telling yourself things you like about yourself instead of things you don't like. Start loving on yourself. You know, I look good today. I slept well today. I feel good today. I made it to the gym today. I read a book today. Little accomplishments, little compliments that you can give yourself, man, your whole attitude will start to change if you can just start loving who you are made to be. Now, do you know your purpose? Maybe not. But I can guarantee you, you'll be a heck of a lot closer if you start believing that you have one. And with that being said, I hope you come back for next week because we are really going to be diving into lie number one. I'm not enough. I'll tell you what, that's going to be a hefty one. I already have, I did, I did write down my Bible verses for that one. So I have, (laughs) I have my, my stuff ready. So I hope you come back. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. And until next time, don't forget, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Till next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit With Aid podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope you come back next week. Until then, have a good one.